Now we are officially into one month of the minor league season. It's June 7th. A month has gone by, and normally this would be the time of year we'd be talking about the Indians draft class. Uh, We're going to do that anyway. They just haven't done it yet because it's been pushed back to July 11th to the 13th to coincide with the College World Series. So we get a little more time to talk about that, and for the first time this year we on the podcast we will talk about the MLB Draft in 2021. This is the Farm Report Podcast. I'm Justin Latta, joined by Willie Hood. Willie, thanks for joining me. I am looking forward to digging into some, not only some minor league content, but for the first time this year, thanks really diving into the draft again, Justin. a little bit. You know I enjoy talking about the draft, and you know I've been deep diving on it here a lot lately. Um, it's good to good to uh, yeah, break away from stuff. it for a good minute and talk about baseball, talk about minor league baseball, and I'm excited that we have it back, and now we actually have a little bit of uh, track record to talk about. Yeah, I remember back in April when we were, it was at the end of March, early April, and we were just finally finishing up the uh, our top prospect scouting reports for, for 2021, and you were itching to get into draft coverage. You were itching to start writing about the draft and put the prospect stuff behind you, and every time you were about ready to, I'd be like, oh, we got to do this piece real quick, and you're like, sure, <laughs> just one more. So you, you've been... You have been itching for draft talk for yeah, two I've, months. Yeah, I've been now, digging in deep. You know, I've been out um, looking at this stuff since the last draft stopped. So uh, part of it is just the excitement of getting in the new players and looking forward to it because we didn't really have anything to, to look at at the time. We didn't have anything new with the players. So that was a large part of it. And, um, you know, Cleveland has four picks in the top 100. You know, I, I don't want to dive too deep into this hole, but – they have a good opportunity this year to add some talent to the, to it. And I think this is a really deep draft class, but we'll get into all that here later. Yeah. We're going to try to run through the minor league portion of this quickly and, and split the time this month, this week between the minor leagues and the draft. So we don't go too long, but we cover as much ground as we can. So let's get right into it. Um, first up the big news, I would say this is the, this is not the biggest news, but it's, I think if you're listening to this podcast and you follow either Willie or I on Twitter or IBI, I think you're interested in this news. Uh, young Kenzie Noel came back the other day from one at bat after he got hit in the pitch with the uh, hit in the hand with a pitch two weeks ago, and he had to leave the game in a walking boot because he had an awkward slide in the second base. So the guy who was hitting for the most power in the minors for any Indians prospect. Um, to start the season, he is hurt again, so we have no idea what's going to happen with him. But I'll tell you what, that's a bummer because I don't think anybody – well, that's that's a lie. All the pitching that it was going around the first month of the season was exciting. But outside of all the pitchers, Willie, I think John Kenzie Noel was maybe the most exciting prospect. Yeah, uh, I tuned in into Lynchburg several times just to see what Noel was doing. And, by the way, I have to throw this in there. Joe, you were right. He can hit, and it looks like he can hit all day. I think I said that on the last podcast, but uh, – <laughs> Joe was really promoting him and, and telling us how much he could hit and how good of a prospect he was because he'd seen him firsthand, and now we've had an opportunity to see him somewhat. And, of course, you know, we can't have nice things. Um, our nice things always get broken. So 
Um, <laughs> now he's injured again, and hopefully it doesn't take long for him to get back. But between him and uh, George Valera, <laughs> I, uh, I'm just a little disappointed that some of our young hitters just can't stay healthy. Yeah, it's not just, I mean, at first it was the pitchers. You know, it was Ethan Hankins, Carlos Vargas, Joey Cantillo, um, Cuthball, or Adam Scott, Cody Morris. Now it's the hitters that are, I mean, Brian Lavacita just came back off the IL for Lake County. It's been a, there's been a lot of injuries. It's been, I guess, not a surprise given last year not being, you know, no minor league baseball, but um, it's been, it's put a damper on things for sure, especially for guys like um, Valera, who's supposed to be out of the 40 man roster this fall. Uh, Angel Martinez, your guy, Willie, he stays hot. He had a good week again. He has been Lynchburg's catalyst, the top of the order. Um, even when he's not, you know, hitting home runs or going three for four, even every day, I think at the top of the order, man, he just gets ahead. He gets on base. He does something that makes you excited. I'm the only thing I can really point to is the strikeouts are a little bizarre for a guy we thought had good contact skills, but he's also 19. Uh, playing his first full year of pro ball, and I don't know. I, I thought he, I didn't think he'd strike out this much. I'm not either. I'm also I, not I look at age for level pretty heavily, and I weigh that in even on prospects um, that are in college or in the high school ranks. You know, and, and always compare the age for the level and see how they're really matching up. Maybe he's a guy that's going to strike out 20 percent of the time, but walk 10 percent of the time too. You know. And he does have uh, bat-to-ball skills. I mean, that's why he's hitting 300, or like he was last time I checked anyways. But um, he can play second, short, and third. And I, I just think that he's a high-floor player that is just going to be a, a good major league player or a good utility player at some point in his career. Um, but I won't be a bit surprised if he makes it. And, you know, he's one I've liked early on. And it, just because he's advanced, and I knew that, it would show on the field whenever he got there. And that's part of the reason I've um, hyped him for quite a while. But uh, Xavion Curry, man, <laughs> he's been really impressive too. So blowing blowing <laughs> batters away down in Lynchburg, and he finally got a promo. So I'm looking forward to see what he does with Lake County. Yeah, Xavion Curry is going to get his first start with Lake County, I think either tomorrow or Thursday. Um, or I should say, I'm sorry, Wednesday or Thursday. Hunter Gaddis is going to go went Tuesday. Um, I wonder, uh, this makes me wonder. So not to skip ahead too much, because there's a couple other things I want to talk about before we move on. But um, unfortunately, Eli Lingos got hit in the head with, the, with a line drive on Sunday. He looks like he's going to be okay health-wise, but I'm sure he's not going to be pitching um, for a little bit. I wonder, because Tuesday... It has been Curry's day to start. You know, these guys are all pitching pretty much once a week at this point because of the six-day or a six-game series in the off day on, Sun, on Monday. So it's basically been like a college rotation where these guys pitch once a week. Um, so Curry's day has only been Tuesday along Hunter Gaddis. Gaddis is going for Lake County on Tuesday. I wonder, either Curry's going to go Wednesday and Logan Allen might be going to Akron, or I guess Curry goes Thursday unless they want to, bump Logan Allen back to Thursdays, but I, I kind of wonder if, if now that Lingos, they're going to need another arm in Akron to cover for Lingos for a little bit, if that won't be Logan Allen, and then Curry takes Logan Allen's spot in Lake County. Like, I I wouldn't be surprised yeah, if Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, turning. and you and I have talked about Logan Allen and Tanner Burns, and even Daniel Espino being um, 
quick moving arms that should impact a level of two higher than where they start the season at, you know, and I know you mentioned Espino or I mentioned Espino. He was impressive last week in his start, um, touching 101. I like the reworked delivery, uh, the shorter arm path for him. And I felt like he was getting pinched a little bit, but he has to learn to tighten his own up too as he moves up. I think for Espino, his stuff just moves so much. Sometimes the slider can get a little bit flat, but the curveball and the fastball, I mean, the fastball is 101, and I, I don't think it's a straight fastball, so it's not like, you know, 101 straight can still be hit. It's It moves, but his curveball has so much depth to it that I just think sometimes he doesn't – I mean, it's, it's command of his pitches that are maybe an issue because it moves so much that he needs to – <clears throat> excuse me, command better because, you know, he might he might try to drop a curveball in the strike zone, but it has so much drop to it. And some it of the pitches, the it, it looked like they were in the zone, but because of the movement above the zone, they looked like they were at the letters and then it dropped deep into the zone at, for a strike when I was watching, you know, and they were called ball. And I'm like, that happened to him several times, you know. That's what I'm talking about, tightening up a little bit, is sometimes you gotta you got to tighten up that, shape on the curveball or, um, you know, move things around a little bit on guys where go a little bit higher or uh, throw another pitch instead that's getting called for strikes. Yeah, all part of the learning process for Espino, especially his, his first full season of pro ball. Uh, I, he'll be in Lake County at some point, whether it's, you know, two weeks or, or at the end of the year. At some point, he'll be in Lake County. Um, Alexi Planez last week had a grand slam and another homer in a game. That was good to see, but he has still struggled a lot with strikeouts. Uh, I'm not surprised. I'm a little bit concerned only because we knew he was a free swinger. Uh, but it, to me, I don't know how much you've watched of Lynchburg, but to me, Planez's swing just looks long. He's not. It's not that he's just chasing balls in the dirt and he's chasing balls. He's swinging through pitchers that are in the strike zone because of the length of that swing. So I don't know how they fix that, but... Um, to me, it seems like it's a very long swing, and they're going to have to find a way to make his swing a little more productive. Because and he's, he's got a big frame, too, and I think that comes into play for him, having that long wingspan. He can reach a lot of pitches others may not be able to get to, but as you said, I think that needs to be tightened up as well. Yeah, still young enough to figure that out. Um, I have not seen Lenny Torres pitch live yet. I've seen some highlights. Um, I don't want to scout the stat line, but the line hasn't been very impressive. Um, I mean, I'm willing to pretty much just kind of give this year to him coming back from not only Tommy John, but not pitching last year. You know, two years away is tough, and he was already kind of raw anyway, considering he was a cold-weather arm. Um, But I, I guess just from the pitching lines... It doesn't seem like he's really missed a lot of bats, and I don't know where his stuff at. Have you seen? I've uh, seen much one of him start. Yet? It was his first start, and I haven't seen him since. Um, partly just because of life and other baseball, and my deep dive into draft content. Um, but as you said, and I indicated this in our first podcast, I think this year is a de- developmental year. It's a wash for him. I'm not even looking for it. I'm looking for him to improve throughout the year for his command and control to improve throughout the year. Uh, you definitely do want to see strikeouts, especially with that 
mid-90s fastball, and he can run it up to 97 at times. I don't know where that's at right now and how he's maintaining. Um, those are definitely things that you want to look for, how he's maintaining, how deep is he maintaining that into a game. And, and really, they're just going to throw him a, a few innings per start and build him up, build that arm back up. Um, not sure how his slider's doing. His changeup was a work in progress, I'll say. Um, a lot of people gave it fringe average to average. I've seen people say it could be a plus pitch. Um, I know his slider was the better of the two. Uh, pitches in, he had uh, a lot of reliever talk whenever he was coming into the draft, you know, so maybe he ends up developing as a high leverage reliever at some point. I'm not going to peg him as that. I think there's still starting pitcher potential there. He's so young, and it's way too early in the process to do something like that. Definitely agree. I think I think a win for him really would just be a pitch the full season. I don't. I mean, however many innings that is doesn't really matter. But if he's pitching from now and he's still starting games in September, even if they're only capping his innings at like three innings a start, because that. I remember Lake County with Cody Anderson, yeah. and he was a college arm, not an experienced college arm, but um, I think it was like July or August, and they had just said, okay, you're going to start the rest of the year, but you're only going to go three innings. So I think that's a win for Torres, even if he gets to September and he's still starting games. I think that's all that matters because, like you said, developmental year, just get him out there, get in the innings, and then um, see what needs to be worked on from there. Too much talent there to, to worry about that, but – just wanted to bring that up because you know there's still so, there's still a lot of hype around him, and some people might be wondering why the stats don't match the hype, but that's the reason why. Uh, George Valera is still out. I I had heard that he could have been back over the weekend. Um, I'm hope, I think they're hoping he'll be back here soon. So it sounds like it's not going to be too much longer. Um, sometime in June, hopefully. Brian Lavastida came back this week. Uh, from a wrist sprain. He looked really good. I saw him a couple times this week. Um, I was really impressed with his blocking, getting better. Uh, didn't really get a good look at framing, didn't really have a chance to throw, but I'm also really impressed with his uh, plate discipline. He's walking a ton. I'm really excited about him still. And how about Will Brennan's power surge? This guy, coming into last week, didn't have a home, didn't have an extra or a home run yet. Hit two home runs this week. Had a couple doubles. He had uh, four games in a row with an extra base hit. Uh, he talked about adding a hip load. He didn't. He was all hands in college. He said, and now he's got a hip load. He is starting to hit for more power. Guy who already made a lot of contact, and I think um, needs a new challenge. I think he needs to be in Akron like here soon. He plays a good center field for me. Uh, runs pretty well, and I'm I'm really excited to see the power to his game because he's got a lot of other really nice tools that he can add just a little bit of power. Um, I think he becomes, yeah, I think there's potential for a a fourth outfielder there. Maybe a a fringe guy, you know, that could play a lot of days, but he's not an everyday player. Um, And he pitched in college as well. So maybe there's some development there in the outfield for him. Kind of like I talked about Logan Allen um, from Florida international being a, a two way player. You know, Brennan did the same thing as a two-way player pitching, and he was 90, 93 on the mound. Um, maybe there's a little bit of development for him, though, as an outfielder. I, I definitely think that's his future, obviously. Um, but I, I think he's a guy that's just showing a little bit of who he is 
I think he's going to be a very good player, but I don't think he's going to be a star by any means. Nothing like that. But maybe somebody that is a fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder type that can contribute eventually at the big league level. All right, so just throw water on my idea, I guess. I, I don't know. He's he's really, really good in Lake County, but I've, I've been fooled before, and he is a little bit old for the level. I think it's time to see him <laughs> move up and get a new challenge. Uh, <laughs> more outfielders. Quentin Holmes came back from injury. Talk about a guy who needs to start um, getting challenged more. He had two walks and a steal in his return. Just, I think at this point, he, we've been saying this for a couple podcasts now. He's just got to play. He's just got to play. And um, let me ask you this: I, I, I kind of felt like coming into this year that, especially after he got hurt already, that Quinton Holmes was kind of on borrowed time in Cleveland because it's been he was their first round or he was their second round pick in 2017 because they lost their pick for signing Edwin Encarnacion. Um, he's been here quite a while. He's missed the better part of 2018. He was not very good in 2019. He was also a very raw amateur because again, another cold, another cold weather yeah, player, if I'm not York. mistaken. Um, yeah. Do you feel like they might as well just give him the whole year? And because it's not like there's a ton of outfield prospects in the system waiting to bust through. I mean, uh, we just talked about Valera being out. Will Benson still striking out a lot. Um, <laughs> Apparently, well, Brennan's not a future star. No, I, I knew he wasn't a future star, but um, Flanez has had strikeout. It like this. The system is not burgeoning with outfield talent. So, as much time as Holmes has maybe had already in the system and hasn't been healthy and hasn't played well when he's been healthy, maybe there's really. I, I, I was saying maybe they release him after the draft, but now I'm kind of thinking, why why not just let him play and see what happens? Because it's not like you're you're not flush with other outfielders. No, and there's not a great deal right of now. what I would say um, draftable outfield talent for the tribe this year. Not that they're not going to select outfielders, but there's not a lot of guys that kind of fit their MO. Um, I'm with you. He's still a young kid, too. I think he's 21, if I remember right. Um, and he was, as you he said, is. cold weather player. He missed last year with COVID. Well, not with COVID, but because of COVID like everyone else, um, you know, what are you going to lose by running him out there? You paid him almost a million dollars to sign out of high school. Why not let him play? Yeah, I agree. Like I said, I, I was kind of in the camp earlier of just maybe, maybe it's time to move on. But like you said, 21, and there's just not a lot of other guys around to push him. See what you got. Let it go and, and hope for the best at this point. Uh, Mason Hickman starting to settle in. He was about 88 to 91 when I saw him on Sunday. Uh, he's added a change up to his arsenal. The slider was really electric, according to um, captain's catcher Joe Donovan that day. Joe Donovan, by the way, love Joe Donovan. He is definitely a catcher. I mean, he's a catcher, but he has that mentality back there. He's a smart player, and he's got – uh, 80s metal hairband hair, awesome. Comes up to Queens, uh, Fat Bottom Girls. That is a throwback for a guy who uh, might be 24, He's, 23. I can't he remember. He was 21 he when he signed last year. Uh, hit his first so he'd be going 22 this year. Okay. All right. So that I, mean, I feel I feel good. Okay. Let me tell you this. 
I, I talked to Logan T. Allen for a feature last week or two weeks ago. That's still up. You can read that. And I talked to Will Brennan for an upcoming feature. And I asked both of them what, what kind of music they listen to and what's their walk-up song, what's their warm-up song. And when they told me what their warm-up songs were, I was like, okay, I, I don't know either of those artists. I don't know that song. I'm not even going to pretend to know what, if I, to know what you're talking about. I appreciated that Joe Donovan walks up to a song from Queen, a song that I actually know, because sometimes I see these kids in Lake County that are like 19, 20, 21, and I'm like, I don't know any of their warm-up music anymore. I'm, I must be getting that old. So I, I really enjoyed that Joe Donovan um, uses a song that I recognize as a walk-up song. Uh, let's see. Oh, another guy, uh, Nick Enright. Really, what do you have on Nick Enright? Because I had not seen much of him until Sunday. His numbers look really good. He's a little bit old for the for high A, but he has that high arm slot. He, he was up to 94, I read, pre-draft. Um, looks to me like another bullpen arm that probably needs a, a, a better challenge than, than than high A at this point. But um, is there something there? Yeah, he's the that, guy that, that belongs maybe in missing? already. And, you know, funneling upwards or upward mobility is going to be difficult for some of these arms, and I think we're learning that you know, and as things pop up, injuries occur and trades will happen in things over the summer, maybe some spots will open, but I'm not so sure with another draft right on the heels of all of this talent now. But Nick Enright is a player that was at uh, Virginia Tech. He was a ladder round draft pick. I can't remember if he was something like 24th or something. Um, pretty good build, 6'3", 205, if I remember right. Fastball is usually... Lower 90s, he touches 94, or he did in college. I haven't seen him this year, so I don't know where he's at. Um, and if I remember correctly, he had an above-average uh, slider. His control, um, I would say it's probably fringe, uh, above-average, almost fringe, or almost average could be above-average. It's just in between the two of them. Um, he's very close, kind of borderline above-average control, so... Definitely somebody I think that should be higher than what he what he is, and definitely the beneficiary of being twenty four year old in Lake County right now too. Yeah, he has kind of smoked the competition down there. I was impressed with what I saw Sunday. Like I said, I think he has that backspin on his fastball because he has that high arm slot and the slider looked good pairing with it. I'm curious to see if he can be another pipeline reliever that has that. I, I, I keep thinking this. So I tweeted this the other day. We have James Karinchak, who everybody knows about with that high arm slot. Um, we've been watching that work for Xavier Curry and Lynchburg so far this year. Zach Hart is a guy who has looked good at times in Lynchburg, who has that high arm slot. Um, Mason Hickman, another one who has a high arm slot that really aids his fastball, even though he doesn't throw that hard. And then Nick Enright, also has that very high arm slot. I, I'm starting to wonder, is this a pattern? Because I know the biggest thing, that, that over-the-top arm slot often produces good backspin on the fastball, which not only makes it harder for hitters to see, but it also gives that um, a little more, I guess, deception to it when you're pairing it off of a breaking ball and gives it the ability to, to look faster than it really is. Do you think this is starting to become a pattern with the Indians or 
are all these guys just arms they liked, and it was a, just a coincidence I, that they all I have a high arm slot. It's both. Um, I think they're very open to different styles so long as the pitcher has control of it. Um, James Krinchek didn't really have that as a starter, but it works out for him as a reliever. Um, but I can't help but think of Tampa Bay, and I think they mentioned it in the World Series last year, having all of these various arm slots. And they showed several pitchers that pitched in one game, and it looked to me like there was eight different um, arm slots just from the guys that pitched in that game from Tampa Bay that day. and Or maybe it had been that week. I can't remember exactly what it was. But the point is it, it does create a level of deception when you have somebody – coming at a different slot than what you typically see, I can't help but think, you know, when I played on a church league softball team a few years ago and there was a pitcher who had pitched on a, um, like a college level uh, women's team and she was an excellent pitcher and it was the first time I'd ever seen anyone throw underhand like she did. And she could buzz it in there, you know. And I was just hoping and praying not to strike out. And fortunately, I was able to get the bat on the ball and not embarrass myself. Um, because I was afraid she was going <laughs> to spin me around into the ground, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but it was the arm slot that I'd never seen before that threw me off. And I think that's what they're the beneficiary of when you have various arm slots, especially over the top like that. You don't see a whole lot of that. Um, but I think it gives you a, a natural looking downward plane. And I, I think that produces people swinging over the top of breaking balls and curveballs into the dirt. And also, um, I think it helps with some deception in the fastball movement up in the zone, too. Particularly if they're hitting up in the zone with a fastball and then dropping a breaking ball or a change up in the dirt on them. You know, you're going two different directions and adding even more deception to it. And I, I think that's what's really going on there. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm sure there's other guys in the system that have that arm slot that I'm not thinking of. I'm just curious to see because now it seems like there's quite a few. And uh, I guess we'll find out if there's anybody like that in the draft as well. Uh, Akron, we mentioned, you know, Eli Lingo's getting hit in the head with a line drive. He was supposed to get a CT scan. It looks like he's, you know, he was aware. He was conscious. Um, he was very aware of what was going on. He seemed to be okay. Uh, so hopefully he's okay. We talked about Logan T. Allen maybe getting a bump up in his, his spot. We'll see if that happens. Um, wouldn't be a shock, and we both agree he can handle it. Uh, we got an update. Didn't Well, we didn't get an update, but we uh, Caleb uh, reported down Macron asked Rugi Odor if any, there was any news on Cody Morris and Adam Scott, who both continue to sit on the injured list in Arizona. Uh, he had no update on them, that, that they're just progressing pretty well, so I guess that means they're throwing. Uh, Tyler Freeman's hitting 341, I think, in Akron. Uh, he's hitting everything, or 351, I'm sorry. Uh, things are going really well for him, no surprise. Uh, on the other hand, Bo Naylor is running something like a 40% strikeout rate. Um, I know the Indians are not afraid to challenge him because he has always been a very mature player because of his time on the tournament circuit in Canada and playing with older players. And he has, you know, an older brother who's in the, in the majors, the Indians. Um, he's always played against older competition, but 
uh, he's struggled so far, and I'm not, I'm not surprised by that because Double A is a big leap for a lot of guys, and obviously there was no season last year. So, um, Willie, what do you think? Are you at all concerned about Bo Naylor, or what are just your thoughts? I, about I think it's the young for class so far? catcher with a lot of talent, a lot of athleticism that will take time to adjust. Um, I just hope it doesn't hurt his confidence in the meantime. Um, but really, I think that. He should adjust, but maybe he does run a little bit higher of a strikeout rate until he does. But with him being so young for the level, I think he's 21, and average age for AA is usually 23, 24. Um, That's a big difference there, and I think not getting to see um, pitching live pitching last year in in actual games is probably a factor in this for some of the players too. Um, so I think you kind of have to take the first half of the season with a grain of salt and see what players do in the second half of the season once they've kind of settled in, kind of got their legs under them, and um, are readjusting to a lengthy season. And, and, you know, I think that's part of it for him, especially as a catcher. He's probably focusing on, on that aspect of it, too. I can't say for sure, but, you know, it's a big push for him. It was an aggressive push, um, but it's something that I think he can handle with time. Yeah, he got better in Lake County in 2019 as the season went on. His second half was significantly better than his first half, so I would not be surprised if the same thing happens again. Um, I don't think his confidence will get shaken at all. I think it'll just take some time to adjust, and uh, he'll get it together. Too too good of a player um, to let this be an issue long term. Two other guys I want to get thoughts on here, and you'll know more about one than I will. Um, Trenton Brooks. A little bit old right now for for Akron, I guess just slightly above the age, like you just mentioned. Um, He's their first baseman this year because they didn't really have another first baseman. Um, He's hitting for a ton of power this year. What what do you make of Trenton Brooks's power uh, surge? I had somebody reach out to me who was a writer for the Orioles when he was available in the Roll 5 draft, and he and I talked about Trenton Brooks specifically. And I told him, you know, Brooks pitched and played outfield, um, I think at Nevada. And again, another player that maybe he's a little bit of a later bloomer because of that. Uh, I think that there could be bench profile here with him. Um, But again, he's 25 years old, lost a year last year. You know, it's a shame so many of these players have lost that season but I, I think all of us feel like we lost a year of our lives. Um, but, you know, I, I can't really say I'm surprised. I think he's a good hitter. But he's somebody I think that will put up an, an average batting line. I, I think he's probably going to produce, you know, like 250, 12 home runs or something like that if he makes the majors. I, I don't think he's going to be a, a major, uh, a big slugger, let me put it to you like that. Yeah, he's had good numbers in the minors. I mean, at 23 in 2019, uh, he played in Akron for 65 games, and he put up a, a a 502 slug and a 228 ISO there. So he's he's played um, over 90 games now in Double A, and he has put up some some pretty good power numbers. So I'm curious to see what that translates into. Like you said. Probably a, a, a first baseman. Yeah, he played center right in fielder. college. So, um, 
And on the mound, he was 90-92, if okay. I remember right. Um, but it was clear his his calling was to play outfield. Now it's apparently first base because they need a first baseman. Never. Well, can't hurt to have yeah, a little more versatility, whatever helps you get to the majors. And he's walked, he's walked more than he struck out this year. In fact, he really has always walked about as much as he struck out. In, in 2019 in Akron, he... Struck out 38 times, walked 20. Um, so good good play discipline, I guess, too. I, I don't know. Someone someone maybe to file away and think about it as a sleeper bat and see what happens because the numbers are um, at least worth, you know, peeking over now and then. Francisco Perez, uh, the, the radar gun in Akron is notoriously a little bit hot. Um, so I'm, I am curious to see what what is going on with him. We've heard reports that he's throwing north 94, 95. I don't know if, if they've calibrated the radar better in Akron or if maybe he's 92, 93 and it says 95, but hard to ignore the numbers. He has run a strikeout rate in Akron over uh, 40% now. As a reliever, maybe there's something there now that he's healthy. Yeah, you know, I've, I've seen him in the past, I think 93, 94, um, rumors that he was touching 95, so I'm not really as surprised to see similar numbers. Um, you've probably seen him more than I have, and he was somebody I picked as a, a breakout arm several years ago when he was getting ready to to um, debut in Lake County, and I think he ended up injured. Uh, that may have been 2019, and then, of course, there was last year. But seeing him perform at the level he is, he's actually young for the level. Um, look. I looked it up a, a few moments ago, and I think he's 23 and a half, and that makes him about a year, almost two years young for the level. Um, and that puts Trenton Brooks right on average for the level right now, too. Uh, I think there's a lot of guys getting backlogged, so to speak, because of COVID last season. Um, but Perez has that uh, slider as well. And, I mean, he's just k guys. 36 strikeouts and 20 innings and six walks. He's not walking anybody either, you know? So, um, you know, I've only seen video of him once and I think he struck out seven guys in three innings. I may have him mixed up with somebody else, but I know the video of him was impressive when I see it, when I seen it. Yeah. I, I saw him as a starter in Lake County for a little bit and he was, he looked okay. I mean, he missed some bats. Um, was good enough to not walk enough, a lot of people, but it wasn't like, you know, he had good he had more control than command. And then he's obviously had the injuries. Um, I think the, the profile as a reliever is good for him, considering, he, like I said, he was control over command and um, hasn't been able to stay healthy as a starter. And now the flat, the fastball velocity supposedly is, is running up a little bit higher. So he's working on that slider. That's really good. Uh, I'll be curious to see if he's another arm that, that kind of makes some noise. Let's run through Columbus really quickly as we try to get to the draft half of this uh, podcast. Tristan McKenzie won five innings, struck out four in his first start in AAA ever. Hard to believe this is his first AAA start. You know, he skipped over. There was no AAA last year. He pitched for the Indians, and he pitched in Akron in in 2018. He didn't pitch at all in 2019. So uh, first time for him in Columbus. Scott Moss is back. He went three innings the other day. He looked pretty good. Um, so good to see him off the uh, – he wasn't in the injured list, but they were just skipping a spot in the rotation because he was 
dealing with some kind of arm issue. Um, I read other, uh, somewhere else. I, I had heard two weeks ago that Logan Allen, the older Logan Allen, um, was not pitching because he was hurt. Didn't know what the injury was, and I read the other day it was an elbow issue. So uh, who knows what's going on there. Very vague about that whole thing. Uh, I know Oscar Mercado is no longer a prospect, but he is off to a great start in June. I kind of wonder if his confidence is going to start going up. And I don't know. I don't know if there's any room for him in Cleveland at this point. I mean, Bradley Zimmer's up. Harold Ramirez has played well. They're not going to cut bait with uh, Eddie Rosario. Bobby Bradley's up, so Josh Naylor stays in right field. But Mercado's playing well. Uh, I'd be curious to see what happens. And then Andre Semenez hit a home run the other week. He looks like he's starting to get some confidence in Triple A. Same as McKenzie, he skipped Triple A last year uh, to play with the Mets. So no surprise, he needed a refresher and uh, or just a, a trip to Triple A. Uh, we'll see what happens to them. Any thoughts before we move on? I just on think uh, Mercado's probably caught in a numbers game right now. He's not much much better if he is better than anything that they have right now. Um, you know, Logan Allen. Maybe he's been pitching hurt. I hope that's the case because uh, his numbers were horrendous early on. Um, good to see McKenzie put up a nice start. Of course, he had that uh, spot start in Cleveland after the Plesak injury. Nice to see Scott Moss back. Hopefully Adam Scott and uh, Cody Morris follow suit too. Um, and definitely wanted to see Gimenez get some time in AAA after he under – performed early on for the tribe. Uh, hopefully he uh, gets what he needs and gets back up soon, but I'm not sure where an opening will be unless somebody like Yu Cheng finds himself self in AAA. Yeah, and, and Ahmed Rosario has played pretty well yeah. too, so he's not giving that spot up anytime soon. Let's, uh, let's roll through player of the week, and let's take a question, and then we'll move on to the draft content. So last week I did the podcast with uh, Jacob, our Columbus reporter. I picked Xavion Curry and Angel Martinez. Xavion Curry last week, five and a third innings pitch, three hits, uh, a run, not earned. Six strikeouts, was promoted to Lake County afterwards. Hard to have a better week than that. Uh, Angel Martinez, six for 20 with the double, a homer, two RBI. Jacob went with Gabriel Arias, who went three for 18 with a double and RBI. He picked Manny Alvarez, who had been taking on some opener duties with Columbus's uh, rotation being backed up. Uh, he only lasted an inning and a third in his only start, three earned runs, four walks. Tough night out. Um, as is the way we're doing this this year, Willie, you pick who wins the week before. Who, who well, had the better I think it was clear week? cut with Xavion Curry. Uh, I think he won it for you no matter what. But uh, Angel Martinez produced pretty well as well. <laughs> Yeah, tough week for, for Jacob. Gabriel Arias was a good pick. Um, Manny Alvarez had been good as an opener, but he only had a one outing, and it was not a good one. So, okay, so that gives me two for the year, and so far Caleb has won a week, and Willie, you have won a week. So uh, me two, the field two. So we're tied so far in 2021. I'll take it. It's a tough racket. Uh, who you got this week, Willie? Who are you picking for your second? This is your second time doing this, so um, and you won the first time. Yeah, around, I was, so I was tempted to, to go with Tyler this Freeman this week. I think he's going to knock one out of the park and get another home run and continue to hit as he has in Akron. But I decided to go with Angel Martinez uh, as my player of the week. I'm going to stick with what I know and stick with what's been successful with me. 
Yeah, I, I was trying to look at the schedule, and I was like, okay, Akron's playing Altoona. Altoona's got a couple pit pitching prospects, um, and they've struggled against Altoona. Lynchburg's playing Delmarva. Delmarva is the best team um, in the, the league they're in. And Lake County's playing Fort Wayne, and Fort Wayne gave them trouble a few weeks ago. So I was tempted to – I was trying to stay away from those guys, the bad matchups. So I, I went with Nolan Jones – because he's been struggling and they're playing the Iowa Cubs. Iowa doesn't have a whole lot of pitchers that are really good on that roster. So I went with Nolan Jones as my player of the week. And um, I'm hoping I wasn't looking into the schedule too much. I've got, about the, pitching? I've got the real the Logan pitcher. Allen. That's the, the week for next Logan week. T. Allen from FIU. <laughs> he's my pitcher of the week this week. That's such an, that's such an easy pick. I mean, I, Everyone, I've gone back to the well, like Xavier Curry. I've gone with Logan Allen. Um, I think my only really risky pick was Hunter Gaddis. Hunter Gaddis had a terrible opening yep. night, and then I said, oh, his second start will be much better. Yep. And he took a no-hitter in the fifth inning. So that was the only time I think I took a risk. Tyler Freeman, Logan T. Allen, Tanner Burns, Angel Martinez. Um, those are some pretty, I don't want to say easy picks, but, you know, you see the guys who are performing, you know who could be safe, and, those are both really good picks. I went with Scott Moss, uh, sticking with Columbus because they have the easier series. And, you know, he only pitched three innings his first time back, but he struck out six and only gave a run. So I'm banking on him going a little bit longer this week. And I think uh, now that he's healthy, he'll start to look a little bit better, I hope. Uh, we have one. Actually, we have a couple questions. So uh, loyal listener, Mad Thinker wants to know what players are likely to be promoted low A to high A, high A to double A, double A to triple A before the end of June. Uh, well, we mentioned Logan Allen from Lake County and Tanner Burns. I think those are two obvious ones. And then what? Daniel Spino goes up to Lake County in their stead. Uh, I don't know who else from Lynchburg would go up. I don't think Torres or uh, Josh Wolf are going to get that call. So, I don't know. Anybody else you think that that's going to be an easy no, call up at the end Will of this Brennan keeps on hitting like he has been. I think he deserves a, a bump up from where he's at right now. Um, let's see. Let's see if these adjustments, if the power that he's showing early on in the season is, uh, is going to stick at a higher level. Yeah, he definitely needs the challenge. Like I said, um, he asked for any other further updates on Eli Lingos. We don't have any other than he was supposed to get a CT scan and, um, that he was, like I said, aware and, and alert um, on Sunday afterwards. Somebody asked, RDP asked, how goes Xavier Curry? Well, uh, we know he throws a good curveball. He throws 90 to 94. He has that high arm slot that we talked about that creates good backspin on the fastball that makes it hard for hitters to pick up, especially up in the zone. And he is going to make his next start for the captains. Who knows when that day will be, but... Uh, I, I hope it's in Fort Wayne because, like I said, Fort Wayne has uh, they have the radar gun on their broadcast. So I will be tuning in to watch that, see what he throws at, and, and see how that goes. What are you? What are your thoughts on Xavier Curry, starter, reliever? Still need to see. You no, know, if you ask me right now, I think he's probably still going to end up as a reliever. I want to see development of a third pitch and see where he's at with that. But two exciting pitches at a at a level lower than he is probably probably should be at. He's done what he should, and that's not a criticism of him. In fact, that's a compliment because he 
he forced the issue and basically said, hey, you, you have to call me up because I'm going to knock everybody out around here. They're not competition for me. Make me face somebody that's better than this, you know, and um, he deserved the call up. And I, I think he's going to do well in Lake County, too. I don't think he's going to miss a whole lot um, uh, off of his production. I agree. I'm with you. And But let him keep starting in the meantime because you never know uh, how that third pitch might come along. All right. We took a long time on the minor league portion, but we are not going to skimp on the draft portion. We promised you draft content this week. So if you made it this far, your reward is hearing a lot about the MLB draft this month. So, Willie, take well, it away. Where do you want to start with the as draft? As I told you, I'll run through some basics with the draft. And, of course, there's going to be a lot more coverage as the draft nears and they'll hear my voice more often. Um, unfortunately for our listeners, <laughs> but the, uh, the, the draft this year is July 11th through the 13th. So it's still three days, but it's been pushed back an entire month from what we've been used to in the past. Um, this draft this year will be 20 rounds and Cleveland's going to be picking in the first round, 23rd, second round, they will be picking 58th. And in the uh, competitive balance round B, they will have the 69th overall selection, followed by round three where they'll have the 95th pick. Um, So they'll have four picks in the top 100, seven in the top 200. That's an opportunity to get a lot of talent. Um, 21 picks total. And they'll have a draft pool just under $7.4 million. Unfortunately, um, with the changes, they will be frozen to that amount, so they will not be able to exceed that amount. Uh, They can go right up to it, or they can just stay under it, which is kind of what they did last year. Um, And by all indications, they had an excellent draft last year, even though we haven't seen um, a couple of the prep players that they came away with. But uh, very exciting talent nonetheless. Um, Yeah. All... all now that I think about it, we did we did talk about this, but all prep hitters and all yeah, definitely. And I year. I'll get into that in a minute, but I think it's, it's something thing. that Cleveland will be looking at again. Um, stay in your wheelhouse or stay in your zone, you know, and that's their nitro zone. They do really well there. Um, some of the top players to keep a an eye on if you're into that, if you're into watching the draft like I am. Um, some names you may be familiar with already. Uh, Marcelo Mayer is a player who could go number one. A lot of chatter on him. Somebody I think goes in the top three picks. A lot of people are picking him number one now. Somebody I've been in on because of his bat. Uh, I think you comped him to Corey Seager, which I think is a very good comp, and I've seen that elsewhere. Um, Jordan Lawler, another shortstop, who will stick at shortstop. Uh, To me, there's no question Lawyer stays at short. Uh, Henry Davis who is probably the best college bat in the draft, which isn't saying a lot, and that's not a shot at Davis. There's just not a lot of college bats this year um, that are going to be top-level material. Brady House, a, a kid from Georgia that I really like, that I pinpointed early on that I was hoping would somehow be there for Cleveland, but it's not happening. <laughs> Uh, then there's Al Leiter's kid, Jack Leiter, who's been uh, making some noise for Vandy and who's going to continue to is 
you know, they progress through the tournament. Um, Jackson Job, the high spin slider, uh, arm from Oklahoma. He's a little bit older of a preps prospect, but he hit, but he is exactly where he should be or where, where you would want to see a 19 year old prep arm. Um, he's somebody I think that will move relatively quickly because of the fastball slider and, and change up combo that he does have. And then of course there's Kumar rocker, the son of Tracy rocker, the former NFL defensive lineman. I don't think a lot of people know that about Kumar Rocker, that his dad was going to fall. Unless you, unless you really pay attention and read these kind of things, I think the casual fan wouldn't realize that's who his kid is. Man, <laughs> Rocker is built like an NFL tight end. He could play in the NFL if he wanted to. Not that he should, considering how good his yeah, arm he's, is. But man, he is he's built like one. It's four um, two fifty five. <laughs> he could play tight end in the is, NFL, uh, no problem. <laughs> I don't know if he's fast enough or not, but he's definitely built he like a tight could. end. Yeah, physically gifted for sure. Big kid. He'll he'll. I don't know where his floor is. Like I, I was trying to talk about that the other day with somebody, and I was just guessing how far he might drop. Which you know, there was some chatter early in the season about him being a one-one potential, but um, his floor maybe in the draft is a little bit lower than it was. But uh, whoever picks him, I think, was still getting a good arm. Won't get to the Indians at twenty-three, but Lily, who are you? You mentioned uh, Harry Ford. Who are some guys you think that maybe would fit the Indians' profile and hope that they, on a pipe dream, get to 20? Harry Ford is somebody that I was in on early, a Georgia prep kid, you know, that plays catcher that I think can move out. I think he could play, and I think he has the athleticism to stick in center field, second base, third base, right field. You know, I think he could handle any of the outfield. He's a plus runner, has the arm, has the hit tool, and raw power too, you know, just somebody that is oozing athleticism and should be moved behind the plate to maximize it, in my opinion. But probably at this point, there's no chance of him reaching it, reaching to Cleveland. He's performed well as uh, as the school year was coming to a close for him. Um, of course, there was Gunnar Hoagland, the uh, right-hand starting pitcher, from Ole Miss, he was drafted a few years ago by the Pirates in the Comp A round and didn't sign and uh, just went out and pitched himself into the top half of the first round. Unfortunately, elbow injury and the necessity of Tommy John surgery potentially drops his draft stock, but I don't really think he will be there. We'll cross our fingers and hope and pray because I think once he does get healthy, he will zoom through a system just because of his pitchability and stuff. Um, But I I really doubt he'll be there. Benny Montgomery, uh, the outfielder from Pennsylvania, he's a little bit older than what Cleveland would typically pick, but just tons of potential. Strong arm, blazing fast, some questions with the bat, which obviously is concerns, but it's just a different approach at the plate. Um, I don't know if you need to change a whole lot with him just because of the athleticism. Um, I think there's a solid floor there with him too, you know, which is with all of the other tools, I think that will entice a lot of teams. I just don't think he'll get to Cleveland, but he might be there. And of course I talked to you, to you earlier about Andrew Painter and Jared and I have talked about him a couple of times and he's a guy that has five pitches. He's six foot six, two thirty. He's a Florida prep kid that 
just went out and performed. Um, doesn't have that one sexy pitch that you say, oh, that's going to be plus, or he's going to put a lot of people away. But he does have a mid-90s fastball. I, I can't remember if it's his slider or changeup that is an above-average pitch, or he may have a couple of them, you know. Um, but I do know he has five pitches, and he has the projection to, to show plus control later on, and that's something that a kid that size, you know, you think, can you get more out of him? And he's already got plus control. Uh, that's just very enticing to me. And the fact that he's pitched at a high level with in Florida against some of the best talent in the nation as a prep player. Um, it's probably more realistic. Somebody like Chase Petty, the New Jersey arm, um, you know, he's six foot, throws 102 and has a, has a um, erratic slider. I say erratic because it's still developing, but I think it could be a plus pitch. I, I think his changeup could be a plus pitch. He has a ton of athleticism, and I would describe as powerful and explosive on the mound. Um, worked out with Jack Clyder in the offseason and made a lot of gains with his slider because of it, I, I feel, and with his delivery. Um, but with the athleticism that he has, that there is big-time potential with him, much like Daniel Espino, I would put him in that type of category. Um, the plus 100, just at six foot, you know, six foot right hand pitchers and, and prep pitchers typically drop, drop on draft day. I think he will be on the board when Cleveland picks, and I think he's a, a realistic selection at 23. Um, there's Josh Baez, a, a kid from Massachusetts, young for the class. Um, Petty is too. Um, Baez plays center field, probably shifts over to right field at some point in time. Double plus arm. I mean, he's mid upper nineties on the mound when he pitches. Has some swing and miss issues, but you're betting on athleticism and his plus power with that arm. You could have a an all star caliber right fielder in the future if he hits. And uh, you know, there's been some good indications that he's been able to pick up the slider and hit that this season. Um, of course, there is Joe Mack, who is average age. For a high school player at 18.6 years, a New York kid, but he can hit, hit all day. Excellent defensive catcher as well. I've heard described or read described that he was the best defensive catcher in the draft. Um, and that's saying a heck of a lot. And that might tell you why he may be gone before Cleveland selects at 23. Um, but he could also play first base with ease and he could probably slide out to left field or, or right. He has the arm for right field, but probably the foot speed for left. And then, okay, so that's a good group of players, all um, prep players, as you mentioned, the prep bats or prep, prep arm. Um, how about, I don't, the Indians have, well, let's see, last year they went under slot with Carson Tucker. Um, they went under slot with Will Benson a couple of years ago. They've been, They've been staying away from college college players in the first round. Um, I know they, they took Tanner Burns also last year, but um, they've been staying away from some college players. And I know they either, well, they've picked Prep Arms, they've picked Hankins, they've picked um, Espino, as you mentioned. But they've they've generally gone pretty heavy prep-wise in the first yeah, round. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, how, absolutely. What do they do if Daniel they go Espino, I mean, he was 18.4 years old when he was drafted. Um, 
that is right below average for a prep player. But he was considered by many to be a college arm because of the training that he received from uh, Gene Reynolds and Georgia Premier Academy. I mean, a heck of a routine. If you've seen video of him, the strength training, the flexibility, all of the stuff that's been posted on Twitter and elsewhere, uh, just an incredible kid and very much like a college arm. So I, I think there's a possibility. And there was a lot of rumors last year that they were looking college arm in the first round, you know, smoke is smoke, but I, I tend to think where there's smoke, there's a, at least a, a spark of a fire. Um, so I do think there's some potential for them to grab maybe somebody under slot at 23 and then push or well, save some money for somebody that's slipping down the board, much like they did last year with Carson Tucker. They went under slot, went $2 million for him and slotted that pick was 2.9 million. Uh, with Daniel Espino, they, they got him in a similar um, situation where he signed for $2.5 million, and I think slot that year was around 2.8 or 2.9. So they saved a few hundred thousand dollars. Quite honestly, I expect that will be the case with whoever they draft with that first pick. Um, there was a lot, of, a lot of rumors last year that they had a, an overslot deal in place with Cole Wilcox um, that never came to fruition. But the interesting part of that is that the rumor was they had a deal for $3.3 million, which is overslot, but that's the exact figure that he signed for with the Padres. So in the third round with the Padres. In the fourth round. So there's, there's that. Maybe there's some possibility they will go over for the right player if somebody that they really like slips to them. And, and I'll add in here, I had Wilcox as the number 12, 11th or 12th player overall. So that would have been a tremendous grab for me, um, seeing that kind of value there on the board. And I could see why they would be enticed to make that kind of move. Um, still very pleased with what they got, though. But, uh, you know, I think there's a possibility they go under slot because that's what they've done. But you, you really have to look at the last two years. Uh, Scott Barnsby has been in under control. Um, and, you know, he's kind of put his own signature on it. They have really went prep heavy early on. Uh, three of the six picks that they had last year, even in a, in a very risky situation because they didn't get to see a lot of the players due to COVID, they were still willing to go for some of the higher level, uh, well-exposed high school players that were available. Um, you know, Michael McGreevy is a player that's been linked to the Indians. Cody Schreier, one that I really like is Carson Williams. He's a shortstop. He pitches a little bit from California. Young for young for the class, California kid, plays shortstop, above average tools as far as his hit tool, his arm, uh, raw power. So a lot of potential there. Very young. You're looking into the future, and maybe he's a uh, – future third baseman. Will Bednar, uh, an arm that you know that I like, SEC performer, young for the class, has a plus slider, and he has MLB bloodlines. You know, maybe they can snatch him there, get him a little bit under slot. A bat that I know you and I both really like, uh, Peyton Stovall, plays shortstop. I think he's too slow to stick at shortstop and eventually probably second base and maybe toward the end of his career as a first baseman. He's drawing comparisons to Todd Walker, but I think he's going to be a player that hits and hits all day. 
and has and has some power to boot. So, um, one of Jared's favorite guys, who I think could go under slot at twenty three, Gage Jump. He's a smaller size lefty, only five foot ten, five foot eleven, low nineties, ninety four fastball. But he's an arm that I think Cleveland could be in on at twenty three. If he's not there, maybe they overslot him at 58, but he would be a really interesting arm, and he checks a lot of boxes, so to speak, for them. And, of course, uh, Anthony Solometto, the left-hander from New Jersey, plus slider, mid-'90s fastball, has a um, a little bit different delivery. His arm length is a little bit long, and a lot of people slap a reliever on him, but I've also saw comps to Madison Baumgartner, which I think is a, is a good comp for him. And he throws strikes. I mean, even though, you know, it's not like he's he's a wild pitcher. I mean, he's only a prep kid, but for as crazy as his delivery is, it's not like he's all over the place. He manages to throw strikes, even with that very different looking. Yeah, exactly. So you, works, you don't have to tinker it? too much if, the, if it's effective for him. In fact, I think you run the risk of messing him up. You know, um, some players I'm dreaming on that could be there, and you know, we've already mentioned Harry Ford, Will Taylor. I think is a pipe dream. <laughs> I don't, I mean, he, he checks a lot of boxes, so to speak. Yeah. If you're, if you're looking for young, for the class kid, that's had a lot of exposure, a ton of athleticism. Um, he's a South Carolina kid from center that plays center field also plays quarterback and is committed to play wide receiver for uh, Clemson. So it might be a, it might be a struggle getting him off of Clemson's yeah. camps campus. Um, somebody I think that fits perfectly with what the athletics typically do, which is go after athleticism above all else. Um, that didn't pay off for them recently. So, you know, maybe they veer away, but Taylor's a kid that really checks a lot of boxes and we can dream on him, but it's probably just a pipe dream. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get away from him away from college campus. And who's, who's the other one? There's another kid too. What's his name? Uh, yeah, another Clemson commit that. Could, yeah, Bubba Chandler he, will be a first, first rounder, rounder too, in my opinion. Um, several pitches that project is plus his fastball. I think his curveball. Um, somebody that has front of the line stuff. He also plays shortstop, and if I remember correctly, is a high school quarterback. I, I can't remember if he's a three-star or a four-star recruit for Clemson, but Joe Mack, Bubba Chandler, and Will Taylor are all Clemson baseball commits as well. So there's that. Just Chandler and Taylor have a dual scholarship offer from Clemson, which is really interesting, and it makes it difficult to gauge them when you're talking about the draft because the talent level – and athleticism that you want to see from these kind of players is there. Um, also, Lonnie White, uh, a kid from Pennsylvania that is committed to Penn State. He blazing fast, plus speed, um, has plus raw power, a strong arm. He could potentially be an overslot kid. Um, maybe sneaks into the back of first round, depending on what his price is. But he's one of those players that is is uh, tricky because you don't know about the college commit. Yeah, I, I, I'm i curious to see if, if either of those guys make it to campus. I was just bringing up 
uh, Bubba Chandler because Cleveland loves their multi-sport athletes. They've had a couple kids who have been high school quarterbacks. Uh, let's see, Zach Pleasak was a high school quarterback. Uh, Kirk McCarty was a high school quarterback. Uh, they, I mean, they just like athletes and multi-sport players, and those two guys both fit the bill. But, yeah, I will be curious to see if either of those guys end up signing um, in the major leagues or if they both go in the first round. That'd be, that would be especially crazy if, if both those guys go in the first round, they both wind up at Clemson. That means two teams wind up missing out on first round picks that go to the same uh, same college. That's that's pretty wild. I know you're not a big fan of Michael McGreevy. I watched him a little bit the other night, and I know he doesn't have a very attractive profile as far as upside. I got to say though, that delivery doesn't look exactly athletic. That delivery to me looks a little bit weird. I'm I I, I said the stuff. <laughs> sounded good on paper, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit yeah. He's a UCSB arm, and young for the class, college arm with an above average slider. Nothing else is plus or projects plus other than his control. So let's call him a control artist. I said he's a second round arm. Um, that's been my knock on him is he's boring. There's not a lot of upside. You get what you get with him. He has been into the mid-upper 90s. He's been up to 97, which is a new development for him this season. Um, I Unfortunately, I didn't uh, catch his start the other night. But um, it's not that I dislike him. I just feel like he doesn't offer the projection that you look for in a first-round talent. Yeah, and he's, he's someone you mentioned before that probably goes in Cleveland's range, but winds up being under slot deal and um, not, not the kind of upside you want. Yeah. If they were to give him last year to 2.5 million, something like that, I would be happy with it. So long as they were able to bring in another player later on, um, similar to what they did with PD Halpin last year, you get two players like that. Well, I'll just go ahead and use last year's draft class. I said, they essentially, traded the picks that they had for four second-round picks, a third-round pick, and a fifth-round pick. That's a heck of a draft class. That's better than what you had on paper than when you started. And they were able to sign all of those players without exceeding their bonus, you know. I hope they can uh, work that magic again this year. And just quickly run through a couple of names that uh, might be – second rounder or second day, just a couple of names for, for people to know. I know Owen Miller's brother, Noah Miller, we've talked about. He's in this class. And then a guy I like uh, because he's got MLB bloodlines or minor league bloodlines is Noah Cardenas, who um, his older brother Ruben was a Cleveland draft pick before they traded him for absolutely nothing. Uh, who's He's he's having a good year at, at Bowling Green, but he needs to be at a higher level. But um, the Indians no longer have – Christian Arroyo or uh, Hunter Wood and Ruben Cardenas uh, is having a good year for Tampa Bay. So his brother's yeah, I'll throw out several names. Um, Robert Gasser, a left-hand pitcher from Houston. Uh, Chase Silseth. If you look at the numbers, uh, particularly his ERA, it's well over five. But as far as his stuff, he's a very good pitcher, young for the class, shorter right-hander. He's only six foot, but he's six foot, almost 220. Strong build, and he can run his fastball mid-90s up to 98. 
with an above average slider and above average to plus control. Um, he does have three or four pitches. I, I don't remember Kevin Abel, who's a, a control artist who's kind of been on the radar was on the radar last year, but finally came back from Tommy John surgery. Um, Dylan Smith, uh, maybe a little bit lesser known because he, he's just pitched well for Alabama and didn't make a lot of noise, but he's a guy with above average to plus control, um, with an above average slider to, uh, Steven Pajar from Michigan, uh, a left-hander that's young for the class, very athletic. He missed some time because he tore his ACL playing basketball. And then of course, COVID hit last year. So his innings were limited, but he's somebody that maybe through the mid rounds, third, fourth, fifth round that you take and you develop, um, Tanner Bibby, 22-year-old from Cal State Fullerton, low 90s, um, plus control. He can just, you know, he can hit the corners anytime he wants to. Nothing that he has is very appealing other than control, but he's somebody that you plug into the back end of an arm, or back into an arm. <laughs> Don't you plug into the back end of a rotation. <laughs> and uh, Trenton Denholm, a uh, smaller right-hander from UC Irvine, he didn't quite take the step forward that a lot of people had hoped for and was drafted eligible last year. In fact, I had a second round grade on him. Now he's more in the, probably going to go somewhere between the fourth and seventh round. Um, but somebody that an arm that you can slot into a back end of a rotation, a couple of the prep bats that I like, I know you already mentioned Noah Miller, Edwin Arroyo, originally from Puerto Rico, uh, moved to Florida to play ball there and has done well. Young for the class, shortstop, excellent defender uh, with advanced ability of putting the bat on the ball. Um, Cameron Cauley, probably a third-round pick, um, I believe from Texas. Young for the class, very fast, and another kid that uh, above average hit tool. Something that I really focus on, Ryan Spikes, who's gotten some hype and event actually had first-round hype at one point in time. Um but he's a smaller shortstop, possibly ends up over at second base. Uh, Nick McLean, the brother of Matt McLean, who will be a mid to to top 10 um, draft pick this year. Nick is a commit to UCLA, so we don't know if he's signable or not, but he's a center fielder, and uh, I know Cleveland can use some center field talent with advanced capabilities of putting bat on ball. Um you know, and then a couple of college catchers, because I, I feel like they'll pop a catcher or two this year in the draft. You, you always have to add a couple of those. So I'll go with uh, Shane McGuire, who very much fits Cleveland's profile as far as hitting ability and drawing walks. He does that. Uh, if I remember correctly, he has more career walks than he does strikeouts. Uh, this year he finally started to show a little bit of pop, but he's also a 22-year-old. Um performing in college, so he's doing what he should. He is the soon-to-be brother-in-law of none other than T. Free, the top prospect in the Indians minor league system. Noah Cardenas, you've already mentioned, and then another name I'll throw out there who I think will be available in maybe the 7th to 10th round range, uh, Wyatt Hendry, uh, a catcher who is a converted catcher from shortstop he actually spurned the, the Cubs a, a year or two ago who offered him, I think, $125,000, and he felt it was in his best interest to go to school 
and um, develop, and he's done that. Uh, shows a strong arm. shows a, shows the shortstop arm behind the plate. Has speed too, and advanced abilities at the plate. Willing to take plenty of walks, and he does that. That's exactly what I was, was going like, to say. Right, Mama Cita. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, Lava Cita was a converted infielder too, who's got good plate discipline and a strong arm, and and also I think was drafted. I forget by who, but he also went to Chuco. Um, no, no love for my guy Doug Nikhazy, who. Through 119 pitches on Saturday and is out there pitching today for uh, probably uh, a late second Yikes. third round pick. That's, that's a tough one. You know, it's <laughs> it's really it comes down to profile with him and profile being his um, average control, and he's just he's just barely out of above average for me. Um, and that's looking at the looking out the strikeout the strikeout and the walk rates. You know, two things that really are weighed in on a lot of these players. And, you know, I mentioned advanced abilities. I, I look for high walk rates. Um, of course, you're looking for average, but high walk rates, things that Cleveland has drafted in the past, um, high walk rates, high strikeout rates, low walk rates for pitchers, you know. Um, and, and Nikhazy is right there where he could kind of go either way. So I'd, I'd drop him off of there. But he's a guy that I would – likened to a, a Kirk McCarty that a little bit shorter left-hander who athletic and with Nikhazy, there's the fiery competitor and a, probably a plus curveball there and a, a couple of other pitches if, if I remember right. But uh, he's an interesting arm. There's possibility. I wouldn't rule it out, but also not quite there yet either, just right on the borderline for me. Yeah, I won't be surprised at all if Cleveland comes away with Noah Miller, considering he's a switch-hitting uh, high school shortstop who has a good hit tool and has major league club lines. 18.7, which pushes him slightly class, but. older. But I think with the – if the draft had been in June, it would have been average. You know, so I, I think there's going to be a little give and take. Cleveland – kind of kicked the trend of drafting very, very young players last year by, by taking uh, Milan Tolentino, who was 18.6 last year during the draft. Um, Logan T. Allen was 21.9 or just about 22. He was a month away from being 22 at the time of the draft. You know, I, I, I think uh, that one month isn't really going to matter for Noah. And he's a cold-weather kid from Wisconsin, but he has performed every opportunity much like his brother, um, in fact, maybe a little more talented. I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> well, they think Bo Naylor might be a little more talented than Josh. They also think that uh, their youngest brother, uh, gosh, what's his name? Oh, I can't. The youngest I, I don't remember. He's, he's a couple draft classes away, but both Josh and Bo said he's going to be better than either of them, so... Always seems to be the younger brother who's better. I mean, Corey Seager is better than Kyle Seager. So I won't be shocked at all if, if, if uh, second round you hear, what do you, what do you think, more, more 58 or more 69? Either, either or, just depends on how the, the draft up memory. above them um, works out. But I think 58 is a solid spot for him, 69 too. You're, you're really in the same range. They kind of 
Yeah, it's it's not going to make a huge picks. difference, but I would not be a bit surprised if he is the pick at 58. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that. Keep an ear out for that. Um, you got your sixth um, draft board going up tomorrow. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, I yeah, think we're going to do another mock. Um, this last one went 71 picks, and thank you, Jared, for putting in the work and um, working with me throughout that process. And, and, again, this year I've really enjoyed picking his brain on some players and seeing what he thinks. Um, and I definitely appreciate his participation. So I want to give Jared a shout-out for doing that. I, I really appreciate it. Um, him taking his time to do that with me. It's been fun. I, I know this last one we we really dug into a lot of players, and uh, it was fun. And I look forward to doing another one probably toward the end of this month, maybe the first part of July. And I'll be throwing out um, more names, and I'll really some of these players that I've talked about today I'll talk about more in depth, and I'll write up um, specifically why I think these players, what it is about them that I kind of uh, highlighted their names and said, these are guys that I could really see them going after. So keep an eye out for that. Um, Mock drafts have been really great. The board's been great. You can see uh, Willie's entire big board up on the site now, along with all the other um, in-depth board pieces, the mock drafts are for insiders. So if you have not been an insider yet, uh, July would be now would be a great time to do it so you can get prepared for the draft. And then in July, you can read all of Willie's recaps of, of each player because you know he's going to have reports on each player, uh, probably with an assist from Jared because it's going to be a bigger draft this year. Um, go back and read our, our top. And now it's 68. Now with uh, uh, who was the I can't remember the guy's name. He got picked up on waivers. We, uh, we wrote Jordan Humphries. He got picked up on waivers. Yeah, Jordan Humphreys was in our, our top seventy. He got placed on he got claimed on waivers yep. the day his profile was supposed to run, and then we also wrote up Mitch Longo, who the Indians released, and he's with Milwaukee now. So it's a top sixty eight. And we'll reshuffle the deck on that after the draft is over. So those are all reasons you want to be insiders because all that's gonna be behind the paywall. Um, if you're already an insider and you're listening to this and you read all that, thank you. Keep up with the uh, game reports. It's all, also for insiders from Columbus, from Akron, from Lake County. Uh, digging in onto those games um, each time we cover them. Going beyond the box score. Notebooks that are that are free every week from each affiliate. Uh, feature stories that are free for all readers. I got Logan T. Allen up there. Uh, Caleb in Akron has one coming soon on Richie Palacio, so stay tuned for that. And as always, follow all of us on Twitter. Follow Willie at WillWho99. That's uh, W-I-L-L-H-O-O-99. Follow me at JL underscore baseball. And follow the official IBI account at official underscore IBI. And because Will shouted him out, uh, you can also follow Jared, our assistant draft guy, uh, at Coach Zyber. That's uh, S-Z-I-P-E-R 32 uh, on Twitter. Now I will be expanding else the board that's up on the site right now. The big board will be going up to 175 soon, and before the draft, I'll have that up to 200. Just a little little sentence or two on each player, and I'll eventually actually rank all of the players too because I like to place them in ranges and then then do a final ranking right before the draft. So you'll see all of that coming. 
the player write-ups. And, of course, as I said, I'm going to throw out at least 10 pitchers and 10 uh, position players I think fit what I would describe as the Indian's profile, or some people say draft model. More draft content coming, lots of minor league content, an hour and 20-minute podcast that hopefully you just got through. Thank you if you did. Uh, there's a lot more coming. It's it's that middle of baseball season, and we are just rolling. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I know Willie's enjoying it. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next week. Wow.